And today we're going to talk about how to achieve the best performance you can from a process. Um, that's not just existing ones, but also in the design part, how we actually look at and try and remove potential bottlenecks and try and increase the, the longevity of some of these fields. Um, and obviously one of the things we want to talk about as well today is the ability to start developing and using digital twins. Everyone talks about digital twins. Do we all know what they actually mean? Are we actually going to use them? And will they actually add any value? And if we collect information, what are we going to do with that information and make it usable to the operators so they can actually use it in the field? And that's really where I want to start today. So today we're joined by Michelle and Tom from Crangy Solutions, also owners and, uh, and producers of the MySEP software. I'm sure I'll let them introduce themselves in a moment too. Um, obviously, industry leaders have been around since about 2008, certainly in their current format, looking at separation efficiency and optimization. Have a wealth of knowledge around the, uh, the world in terms of their consultancy and their support for existing projects. So that I'll pass over to them in a second for introduction. I'm James Walls. My background is in the upstream oil and gas industry for over 30 years now. So I'm going to pass over to everyone else so you can hear from them. Mika? Okay. I'm Mika Tilhara, CEO of Roxol. I've been working in the oil and gas sector for a few years myself too, actually, and several tech companies. Etc. Okay. All right. Yeah. My name is Michel van Vossle. I'm technical director of Grangey Solutions, a consultancy business that we uh, that we set up in 2008, and I'm working in the uh, the oil and gas uh, and energy sector from 1996 onwards. But Tom, up you go. Hi. Uh, I'm Tom Ralston. Um, I, I'm working mainly for uh, MySEP. Um, my role is um, around uh, the marketing of the, the software and, and sales of the software. And I've got a background in process engineering research and then software development that's over 30 years long. Right. Maybe do, do you two guys, Michel and Tom, do you want to give an introduction into what who Crangy are and what you do? Um, just a brief one. Yes, of course, of course. Yes, uh, now, Crangy Solutions, uh, it's a Singaporean-based uh, consultancy company uh, set up in, in 2008, uh, let's say. It was set up by uh, basically by some business people who were already for quite a long time in the uh, in the separation business or so phase separation. Uh, when we set up the company, we uh, we just want to make sure that uh, that the company was an independent consultant. Um, and that, uh, that has worked out, uh, pretty well. Uh, let's say, uh, being independent, so not supplying any hardware whatsoever. Uh, it's a nice position uh, to be in. Um, uh, and, and, and basically in, um, uh, for, from that period onwards, we also, uh, yeah, were busy with developing, uh, software in order to enable, uh, the design and, and rating of, 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 of separation equipment. Uh, and that worked out uh, really nicely, and from uh, from 2013 onwards, that uh, that that software uh, called MySap, uh, we built a company around it, and and then the company was uh, yeah also uh, MySap company that that basically took all the uh, all the products from uh, from MySap. So now we have two companies: one is Crangy Solutions, and the other company is uh, is MySap, and uh, and and Thomas uh, mainly also dealing with MySap. Shall I say a bit about what MySEP does, Michelle? Yes, please. Yep. Um, so 
So guys, my, my set was, was really set up with the, the idea of providing the industry with, with a software standard for the simulation of separator performance or rating, as, as Michelle called it, and design of, of new separation equipment. It can handle um, two-phase and, and three-phase separators in horizontal and, and vertical orientation. And more or less, all the standard industry internals that you use for um, assisting liquid-liquid separation and for facilitating gas-liquid separation can, can be modelled in, in MySEP. It's used widely in operators to try and understand current operations, and it's used in engineering companies and some hardware vendors to design separation equipment. So in terms of where you're, where you're currently doing, obviously now we've just come out of a fairly difficult period of time with um, a lot of companies scaling back or not so much scaling back in terms of working remotely and their operations there. Have people then adopted more of your software in order to help them during this time? Or do you find it's been quite difficult for you to engage with the clients? I don't know if you want to answer that or will I, Michelle? No, you do that, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of the software business, I think it's actually, um, it, it didn't seem to have a, a huge negative impact. Indeed, we were, we had a lot of um, uh, online engagement uh, on the software that maybe um, it, it perhaps manifests the fact that lots of the software everyone uses, we're used to buying remotely. So um, software is maybe a, a little bit special in that sense that, that people um, are quite accustomed to the idea that um, we, we, we'll, we'll consume software um, and, and, and license it uh, remotely. We can continue to have a reasonable level of engagement with existing customers um, by remote means, by, by platforms like this, for example. And, and one of the things we did see is that we had a huge ramp up in, in training um, that was partly at our initiative, but also, again, a lot of companies were adapting their operations. And one of the things they could do is is build the knowledge of the, the teams. Mm -hmm. um, so um, we, we, we got a, a tremendous uptake in, in training and we, and we trained something like 200 people over the last 12 months, which was... Uh, I don't know, Michelle, several times what we normally do, I think, in a, in a year. So maybe that reflects a, a bit of the adaption of big companies to remote working. I think, yeah, make comment there. I mean, I think also, let's say, uh, many companies, corporates see that, oh, they can start on a digital journey. They've seen during, let's say, this pandemic to that, oh, it actually works. I think we have uh, U.S. service provider and consultancy, we've seen that as a tech provider to that. Oh, you can actually help them and mm -hmm. push that, uh, let's say, the digital journey also with, with uh, operators, uh, contractors, etc. So I, we've had about the um, same type of, um, let's say, experience also during the past years from our side. Yeah. I think it's been, I mean, I think it's been a, a wake up call, I think, for the industry in terms of they have to look at a different way of collecting data, a different way of processing data and sharing data. 
because no more do you have the ability for people just to pop to site to collect some information or go offshore for five to ten minutes, you know, collect some information and come back with it. They have to rely on people either getting it for them or having systems where that information is stored and actually used. Because, again, we could back in this situation again. Heaven forbid that this happens, but we could be back in six months. We have restrictions somewhere again. We have no idea how the world is going to change in that one. So I think it's interesting they've moved. The question is now, now we're beginning to open up again and we're going to go back to the old thing. Do you think seriously the industry is going to maintain this? this drive forward with information sharing and uh, development, or do you think we might end up slipping backwards? Mm. That's a good question. It's a good question. (laughs) I think we're all, um, we're, we're, um, we're all creatures of habit and we, we fall back on old habits, but what we are seeing um, across the industry is a, is a big push towards, digitalization and the digital twins and and that seems to me to be coming from the very tops of these organizations you know that the um at the at the sea level in a lot of the international organizations are really trying to drive um better use of the information or the data across the company and and of course um it, i think both our companies are quite well pay, pl- placed to 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 fit into that uh, as a as niche players in in this business, we can provide unique information that that isn't available um, otherwise. So maybe it's an opportunity as well for us to ramp up our um, our usage across a lot of the the operating companies and and the the, the supply chain to the operating companies. Yeah, I I agree on that because I think. Seeing now, let's say, all these companies, okay, we have to be more digital. And like I say, okay, so you try to get these, let's say, operational digital twins to be able to optimize and predict, etc. But doesn't it also reveal the gaps they have, I would say, at the yeah. same time? That, okay, they look at, oh, we have this type of data, but is it useful? Are we missing parts of it? Could we enhance it with both... Uh, better uh, simulators or uh, could we get better data from processes like like James what we're doing with, with the, let's say our data capture and, and insights for let's say when we talk about separators and, and going into uh, emulsions mm-hmm. solids yeah so emulsions is a huge issue and, and uh, yeah we've done quite substantial work there I mean, I think that's one of the things that people are looking at. I mean, look at these facilities. I mean, they all gather a whole load of information, a whole load of sensors all over the place. They've been put in over the years. They've been designed bases. This is what we need to have at a minimum. And we add other additional parts in. But the question is, are they actually giving you the information to make the system run any better? Are they there for safety or what are they there for? So I think there probably has to be some questioning about how we run these things and the information we have, and what bits are missing. I think particularly if you look around, let's say emulsions, solids, again, into even into the water treatment side of it, typically you have key specialists in various fields, various companies, who will be the ones who are the gurus, the people that one people will go to, because these are the guys who've lived through this, have experienced it, know how it works, and know whereabouts to hit it with a hammer. Um, 
And I think that is something which, if you can provide more information, then it becomes a lot more usable because we can't continue that way. We need to have the information because those are the areas that are really causing the problems now. It's it's to do with unplanned shutdowns. Most of those unplanned shutdowns come from either solid removal, excursions, or some sort of trip. So if we can get rid of those sort of things and improve that part, then people are going to be a lot, lot freer in terms of what they do. So I think in terms of what we're doing and trying to provide information on emulsions, where they are, how they break, how they separate, how you can manage them, I think is going to be a key piece of jigsaw. But also the other bit that you guys do in terms of the actual theoretical and the, and the evaluation of what's already there and also what they're going to do makes a huge difference. Um, but having confidence in that and utilizing that information correctly um, and using it not just once. I'm going to keep going on a few minutes, but, but use it continuously during the operation. It's not just a quick design review on the day it's built. It's a design review after every period of time when the process changes. Um, how many people actually do that? They probably don't. Well, so, because my, my question is, do you really get that, that, that sort of information? Because what, what we obviously see is we go to the customer, we have a meeting with the customer, then, then we ask them, okay, do we have, do, uh, do you face any issues with your operation? You know the answer already, and that's always a no. Hmm? Uh, and, and, and then you're even in a physical meeting, let's say what we also saw over the last two years when everything was, was via Teams or another, uh, software program, then, uh, you're, you're far from each other. Uh, you're not even sitting be, behind the table anymore. And, 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 and then you don't get any information anymore from, from how operation is, 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 is moving along. So you don't hear anything about the issues anymore. Yeah. Now I, I need to, you know, I, I'm uh, working with startups and I, I love that to kind of build own companies. And I have to, as such, you're disrupting. I, I'm sticking out my head. And I don't need, mean to offend the operators or so, but my comment here, first of all, is that do they actually know themselves? Because they do, let's say, so much manual operations or manual sampling. And I think when you, whether we go to them or Tom or Michael, you go to them, do they really know? I think they lack this, uh, these insights. And also when we've kind of collected all these insights and said, oh, First time ever we've seen this in, I don't know, 20, 30, 50, or 100 years, whatever. But let me run you through a few facts, gentlemen, because if you think about it, uh, does it really matter to, let's say, uh, create insights, not just uh, pure data, but the insights? 75% of maintenance, uh, U.S. Gulf Coast processing industry, unplanned. Mm-hmm. 75%. And root cause for that is run to failure. You yep. run to failure when you don't have the right insights. Yep. It's a loss of $650 billion annually. You know that uh, separators, the main root cause for failure, 52% of the cases, faulty level devices. 52%. Yep. So there's no yep. data. It, it causes separator failures. What, what ha- kind of effect has that? That can ha- be quite serious, of course. Um, in North America, there's, the refineries has, have a huge amount of unplanned shutdowns. 
they spew out more than 2,000 production years of toxic pollution into the air due to unplanned shutdowns. So, of course, and if you think about, okay, uh, man-made GHG uh, emissions, 34% come from energy production, 24% from manufacturing industry. So, of course, we should try to do something here with digital twins. And it's not like one single company is, is going to salvage everything. We have to collaborate. And when I looked at one research study, mentioned that 10% efficiency gain for existing oil and gas fields, it actually reduces the carbon footprint by some 4%. Does it matter? Well, a new, let's say, very digitalized field, no water breakthrough, no emulsions, no solids, what's okay. They, they can actually go, uh, there's even carbon neutral production in, by uh, Lundin, I believe, in, in, uh, in Norway, but it has some, maybe some 10,000 tons of CO2. But the mature fields, the, the old ones, it can be the saving of 1 million tons CO2 per year. Yep. So, of course, it has an, an uh, huge effect. So, I think you, you have something unique with your simulators and, and software there. Perhaps we also have an element of data that can support to even improve the functionality, create even further value to customers. That, that's what I think. So, uh, but I think it's astonishing data and information from the sector that guys, the, the community, we have to improve this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, I, I want to talk a bit about digital twins, but before I, um, latch on to that, I think, when, when I look at um, the operations of some of the facilities we've looked at and, and we've touched on with our customers, I mean, I think there's there's two levels. First of all, um, you, w- when you survey some facilities and you look at the separation um, designs that are that are installed in the facilities, you need to ask the the, the question first of all, um, why you know why why we're, we, we've designed um, facilities to operate with some some of the very poor um, uh, configurations of separators that we see. So there's that level. If you if you can if you can deal with that first of all and remediate some of the very poorly configured separation equipment, then you can begin to think about accurately predicting what the performance might be. So eliminate some of the the low-hanging fruit is the really badly configured, configured separation equipment. And often we need to use our most sophisticated uh, modeling techniques to try and uh, establish what might be happening in those those types of equipment today, Michelle. I think that's a, key, a, key, a place where Kranji is very... Yeah, very exactly, engaged. Tom. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're, uh, you're, you're making an, a real good point there. Let's say if we just look at Kranji solutions, I think that 60% of our turnover is really, let's say, uh, yeah, troubleshooting the bottlenecking uh, uh, basically retrofit or looking at retrofits of, of, of separators that, that failed that, that, uh, that basically caused, uh, unplanned, uh, production, uh, stops. Um, so there's, 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 there's definitely something to, uh, to, to learn there. And I think that that's also the original 
plan why we why we set up MySap. Uh, because if you just look at Cranji Solutions, let's say the work that we do there for an oil and gas operator, it's it, it is too late. Huh? The damage is done. Yeah. Uh, and, and and by developing MySap, we we knew that that people would be able to develop uh, or develop and design better equipment. So mm-hmm. that, that that was really, let's say, the yeah, I would say that the main focus of of, of MySAP. Then, if it take MySAP over the years, then 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 yes, looking at proper designs, but then also looking at, uh, at, at, or at looking at existing separators, how to rate existing separators. So that was basically the next step at MySAP. Uh, and and now with MySAP, yeah, we're going much more much further. We're going. Uh, with MySAP and especially MySAP engine, and we're going into into the process simulators, and we're going uh, to look at the digital twins. That that, that are basically Tom, that will be your next subject. But that um, no, it is uh, it it is clear that that Cranji Solutions, uh, uh, yeah, that 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 the majority of the the troubleshooting uh, work and consultancy work that we see is, is is fixing issues that should not have happened in the first place. Yeah, but I mean. Can I just ask you, I mean, do you, how do we get operators, asset owners, to kind of admit also that, yeah, it, we have a low sophistication here, or um, that we can actually enhance it, do the, all this troubleshooting, improve that, because it's a fun, I think it's a financial improvement for them in terms of performance. Uh, maybe, if, uh, also, I mean, in terms of ESG, much better, but so it's very much about the change of mindsets because it's not just one facility. I mean, what I think we have to drive for is the portfolio level. Can we reinvent for your on your portfolio level to t- push performance? Isn't that, I mean, if you get the digital twins running, you have really good, let's say, uh, very accurate insights or uh, do all the predictions and look at troubleshooting. I mean, I think that's the direction we have to head for. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, that goes back to some of the problems we talked about earlier on about information. I think, to a certain degree, we've put up with failing vessels, vessels that are not working quite optimally, because we believe that's all we can actually have. It's okay, we'll get around it, we'll deal with it, and we'll sort it out. We won't necessarily do that with anything else. We won't do that with a compressor or anything else, which is going to be more problematic or be have a huge impact on the operation. But if it comes to a big tank, yeah, we'll do something. We'll we'll throw chemicals at it, we'll do well configurations, we'll shut things in, we'll do all kinds of we'll basically play around with our chemistry set to get the answers out of it. As opposed to thinking ourselves, well, is there a better way of actually doing this? Yeah. But I you know, I'm very passionate about it. I mean it for yeah. me it feels like that's all cover up actions. You're yes, not really looking good. at yep. what's the root cause. Yeah, yeah. Push in more chemicals or other cocktails or whatever. But you're but that's, solving yeah. the problems. But that's also partly because a lot of the time you don't have the information at the start out. Ah. The beginning part. Or you then don't collect the data during the first period of time to see whether or not you've actually made the right decision. There probably is no after action review done once it's planned up and running to see did we do the right stuff? Most teams have moved on from that plant for our next plant. Now the operations team and their job is we've got this, make it work. It's a different mindset than doing that part. And that's where 
software like yours, my step is if it can be used up front there and it's got the learning fed back into it again, it also feeds a bit into your digital twin there, take the learnings you've got from existing fields, existing systems, and use it as a basis for moving forward, then I think we're going to get around some of this. Because this, this problem is not just the energy sector. Lots of other sectors, uh-huh. manufacture sure. things, have mm-hmm. vessels, have tanks, wherever it is you want to go, have exactly the same problems. A lot of them are onshore, which is easier because we have land we can build stuff on. At the moment, that's becoming a harder issue in lots of countries. So you can't just add concrete just because you feel like it anymore. You're not allowed to because people want it for something else. So we have to improve that sort of learning as well and that sort of development for other industries as well, not just this one, because they all admit they all do things. Everything we do needs to be, I think, looked at and reviewed and think ourselves, OK, are we actually doing this properly? What's the best way of doing this? Maybe having a rethink. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Rethink, reinvent, because I, I have to get back again to, you know, like the cover-up actions. And so we said, well, first of all, now operators, have they won't want, want to admit or they say, oh, we don't have data or we don't want to share or whatever. Mm-hmm. And anyhow, separators, now nah, we can't get more out of it. So as, instead, they do cover-up actions. They'll say, oh, we're going to install a huge uh, carbon capture and storage system. Or we're going to do fancy direct air captures that captures really almost nothing, close to zero in terms of the volumes. Mm-hmm. So these are also cover-up actions. I think we have to unite and, and work together, build these, let's say... Um, at OTC uh, this year, I mean, I mean, I we were a bunch of people in my panel. We we created a carbon busters team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, everyone wants to kind of <laughs> go that direction. I mean, how can we unite in in the community? I mean, in terms of let's say industry collaborations, because I think operators, yes, they want this. They just don't know how to un- unlock that potential. And it's hard for let's say, uh, sure. Um, you're successful in your business. We're on a successful path with our business. But I think combining the forces, the whole value, I mean, we can make it much, much larger and also involving the operators. Wouldn't that be a good I think, I mean, we've, um, we've recently been talking to some of our customers about, you know, can we come and, and look at, Look at your survey, your separation for you, and this this could be a a good a good opportunity to perhaps give them a more complete service in that in that sense. So survey what you've got, um, evaluate what 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 it's doing today with the best predictive techniques we can do, and then demonstrate to you the potential for improvement. What could be the you know how how much production. How, how much extra production could you have if you do this, this, and this to these separators on your system? So I think that is, I think maybe, because that's really what you're talking about, something something like that. Um, and I, I think in-house, they might think that they've got um, the capability to do it, but in practice, if you ask them, well, is anyone doing this? We don't have the staff, you know, or, or the people that really knew how to do this, you know, they're gone and, you know, they retired. So uh, we don't have the expertise. We're spread too thin in our engineering groups to do this. 
So I, I think, you know, potentially the time's right to go and, and, and take that kind of service to people and, and help them improve their operations. But then you need to get buy-in at a very senior level to, to invest oh, yeah. in this. Mm-hmm. But if, that, if we have a good, good business proposition to them, and if we talk about separators, let's think about it, because uh, methane emissions, that's a big issue, flaring. And there's vessels too. The, the flare knockout drums, are they functioning very well? You know, yep. uh, for instance, so people should look, I mean, they're, they're decision makers. There's so much we could actually look into to improve the efficiency, to reduce emissions. And don't just go for, let's say, oh, we know we can't do anything here. And instead, we're going to try something very fancy in 10 years time mm-hmm. or whatever. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. I'm trying to provoke a bit, but <laughs> anyhow. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. I, think, I think, unfortunately, we do need to provoke a little bit because we are being quite complacent. The fact is we are making slow progress moving here. I mean, you know, 10 years ago or so, flaring was not the issue it is now. People were flaring all over the place because they could. They were producing gas they didn't want. Nobody wanted it. They were burning it. We know that in a variety of countries around the world, you could see the, the flare stacks everywhere. Suddenly everyone, oh, gas, we need it. Okay, so we are moving slowly forward, but we've sort of been dragged towards it as opposed to going towards it. You know, the marketplace said we need gas. Everyone said, okay, fine, we'll we'll start producing gas for you. But then we need to do this. Even during the transition period of energy, we're still going to have to produce hydrocarbons, whether it's gas, oil, LNG, whatever we're going to do, we're still going to produce it even afterwards. And we start moving towards more electrical stuff. We still need these products for other, other purposes. So we're still going to produce them from somewhere. I think the way of actually trying to do that is it, it is through efficiency and through that part. But I think the biggest challenge also we've had in the industry itself is, is notorious for this, is that we've had companies in the past who've been consultants or have been done going around doing stuff, and they've suggested ideas. They end up with a big, thick report of, here we could do all these things, but there's never been a plan to actually look at which of those should actually be done or implemented or whatever. Um, we've never really done that part afterwards. And I think the difference between mm-hmm. now and then is that rather than it being guesswork or some samples or something somebody's taken in the field, this is actually real-time data from the field you can get. So we're not developing it in our own theory using our own ideas and systems. This is stuff from your information, from your plant. We can give you the information on, which is completely different. You know, you're not relying on two guys to go out with a sample bomb and collect some crude samples and say, well, this is what it does. It's actually telling you what's going on inside the vessels. And that, I think, is, is, is a far different answer than the ones we've had previously. But that's because, okay, fair enough, the information wasn't available before. It is now. So let's utilise it. Oh, yes. And my hypothesis is that, you know, uh, energy efficiency, that's the way to accelerate the path to net zero. We need to be brave we need to be kind of re-innovators in a, in a way, carbon busters. And, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and build this collaboration because, yeah, we can talk about it. And it's not just ambition, but we have to take it to action. Yes. And uh, how to collaborate, it, you know, whether we call it R&D or maybe that's not the right word, but, you know, a collab- innovate, innovation ecosystem that we have the operator with us. Let's yes. look at your portfolio. Share your data, open innovation. It's not to kind of make you look bad, but we want to help you. We have the tools. 
if we combine our forces and, and expertise, I think we can achieve a lot. So I think that's my appeal also to to the audience, the the, the operators. I will also share the link. Say, listen to our podcast. We have yeah. a message to you. Are you yeah. open for this? <laughs> no. I think that's, that's yeah. a big difference there. Is we're not looking at just doing blue sky R and D research to come up with some new technology or some new ideas. This is to take the existing technology and use it in a way that's going to benefit the systems you've currently got. And that's a big difference than doing it the other way around. You know, we may have already the solutions. We may have to develop new stuff, maybe look at it differently, uh, apply it differently. But it's going to be based upon the needs of the clients, not just because let's create something new. The oil and gas, particularly if you go down hole, the oil and gas company has been some of the best innovators ever for drilling. You know, the minute a new comes up, new plan comes up for doing it, a new way of doing it, they've been great adapters and great adopters of that sort of technology. But when it comes to the other side of the, pla- side of the platforms, etc., I think we've been lacking quite badly in mm, terms of... quite a conventional industry, yeah, if you look at it. Yeah, from that very conventional. Nothing really has changed. I mean, I've said this before in other podcasts, you know, nothing's really changed in 110 years. We've still got steam, we've still got barrels, we've still got nothing has really changed. Mm-hmm. Um, anything we've stopped using offshore is donkeys. That's about the only thing we haven't done. But, well, that separately. But there, there is, there is something which we need to do now. And I think, you know, maybe now is the time for people to actually do that because there's such a push on ESG. How can we do this? What do we need to do to reduce this? Um, and how do we then just take that into other industries, other businesses as well? I think it's it's a good time to go and do it. But then it needs the operators to come with us. Without them, we can't do it alone. No, no, sure. And they have to be a bit brave too. And and you know, I discussions I've had and also uh, uh, yeah, co-written with with operators with venture parties. We published a paper at OTC, also showing on that yeah, the path to open innovation. And I think they they uh, they see that. We have to work in a different way. And also it was one, yeah, Chevron Ventures also told that when they started engaging startups, they had to share data. How would otherwise startups be able to come up with some solutions? But I think we 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 really have a message to the industry, I would say. And it, it's not about, uh, gents, let's, yeah, let's come up with something really novel and something else and get 100 million euro and, and fund our new startup and do some stuff that maybe has an impact in 10, 15 years. We have the tools, the capabilities to change this tomorrow if we have the operator with us and look at it as at the portfolio level. And that's what I hear from being at various events and ventures, Sarah Week, OTC. They're ready. So I think we just have to uh, find the, the playground now together and and uh, do a proposition to, to suitable operators. I'm sure we can uh, ha- have success with this, definitely, because they're open for it. They want to enhance performance. They want yeah. to have a good uh, route for ESG and, and net zero. So I, I, I think they're open for it. Yeah, I, I would like to think you're you're right there, Mika. I think um, we we were uh, presenting at the oil and gas uh, digital twin conference 2022 a couple of yeah. weeks ago, 
And there we took the approach of, of trying to show at a very practical level what you could do with a digital twin to improve yeah. operations. And, and, you know, I think, um, I think a, a lot of the problem around this is that the people are, are very, um, they're very attuned to the concept of digital twins, but you, you struggle to find, um, the, the case studies of the success that people have, have actually achieved on a real, on a real process, on a real facility. And I'd like to see more of that. And, and we're trying to get engaged with people that are going to go and run with that idea in the area where we work and, and where separation can really help them. Um, so, you know, I think there's, I think there's goodwill and there's interest. Um, and it's a case of really trying to jump on the most promising prospects to demonstrate with some good case studies what can be what can what, what can actually be achieved. I think so, definitely. I think that's what we need to try and do. Definitely. And we're not talking huge investment here either, but if you look at it what they're looking for, this is small amounts of money. It is time and effort on their side as well. It's not not huge amounts though. Um, but we we can do this if there's a will and we go and get to do it. So maybe it just needs to be a way of us combining that together into a proposal and say, right, this is what we need to do. But then we need to pick on some clients or some clients need to come forward and say, we want to do this now. Let's go and do it. Yeah. And there's so much expertise in our companies. Uh, others, of course, uh, uh, consultants, tech providers, uh, etc. So, I mean, the industry, the operators. Utilize this. Don't try think that oh we have to reinvent or come with completely something new. I'm sure we can help them and and uh, deliver value. So uh, I think of course, like you say, Tom, to get the use case, share this. Yep. What what works? What did not work so well? What can we improve? Where are the boundaries? So I think. Uh, we have to look a bit into, let's say, uh, what cases we have, maybe you, and, and maybe we should invite an operator. We have a follow-up on this yeah. and discuss it. Okay, what could be a good roadmap? This is what we want to do. Do you agree or do you want to be on board <laughs> and, and enable this? Because I, I think we have to do this, and, and that's a mission I believe we also share that. Okay, there, there's a great potential for the industry for the future of our planet to do, uh, go this way so i think um, i won't give up until i've achieved that <laughs> i think it's uh, also that it's not only the operator but you also need to have to obviously the, the, the contractors on board uh, because i Absolutely. think that what we what we've seen uh, so far is that that, uh, that that the operators yeah they like the technology they they really uh, embrace it uh, but, but then quite often what we see is that, that the, uh, that, that, yeah, then a contractor comes in between and, and they take a different path. They take a different route. And quite often that's also, uh, financially driven. And there we go again. And then we go back into the conventional thinking. And I yep. think that, 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 that there it goes wrong and there the contractor needs to be taken on board as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I fully agree. And I think also it's it's partly the operator's role to put the right KPIs there yeah. on the contractor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We yep. need also this to be part of the delivery. Yeah. 
that time. Yeah. I think it's uh, I think the contractors are a key piece of this jigsaw puzzle as well because without them, cities a lot of them end up being operators or operating on behalf of etc. As well, they need to be part of this journey. And I know we always say we want to push down on the end users to try and drive that forward. That sort of trickle down effect doesn't appear to work as well as it should do. Certainly not everywhere. Some places it does work really really well and there's a good link, but very often it is a, a break you need to work on. Yeah, because, I mean, of course, uh, it's a huge sector. There's a lot of improvements we can do. And many times, I mean, when I meet other startups, etc., oh, they get enthusiastic. Oh, they get the pilots. Then nothing happens. And, of course, dealing with infrastructure, deployment times and scale up, it takes years, of course. And um, with all the, let's say, uh, technology readiness, uh, risk assessments or de-risking, etc. Getting the right, uh, let's say, time schedules for everything. But I think we we have to try at least. And um, what my takeaway from this is actually that yeah, let's see if we can organize something where we get both an operator and contractor involved and and discussing this with us and. Um, see what we can make out of it. And maybe perhaps we have to do a follow-up at some point. So that, yeah. okay, here, that's, here we are. This have, we have achieved. Okay, but still still a journey to, to, to uh, continue on, whatever. I think that's, that, that I think is a way of doing it. If we can engage with them, whether or not they want to do in a public broadcast of this at the moment to start with or start doing yeah. it privately, I suspect that we don't think we get a tech talk where they're going to come onto it just yet. But uh, I think if we can start engaging with them and say, look, this is what we can offer here and do this part, I think there is a potential for that to go. Yeah. So any other final words words from Tom or Michel? Or yeah, I think, I think we are on some good track, ground there. And, um, you know, yeah. I, I, I really... Um, I'm, I, we're trying as hard as, as we can to reach out to the people that um, can appreciate the value. Um, and I, I, I think um, often the folks who understand the value um, are not the people that are holding the, the budgets. I mean, that's 90% of the, the time you, we, we, we find that it's, it's challenging to get to um, the people who have the, the, the power to unleash even uh, what James called the, the sort of small amount of investment that's needed to to bring bring success here so i think you need to we need to we need to work on that buying process with with the uh with the operating companies um they they are often um uh focused in particular um silos within their organization towards investment and decision making and uh, sometimes you go break some of that down to get something to happen. Yeah. yeah. Of course, I agree, Tom. There's many hurdles still, but let's push for it. Try to do our our part to, let's say, um, make it a bit simpler or easier. And um, uh, I I, I'm in, on board. With it. Yeah. Well, I think in many ways we are doing that. I mean, the fact is the success of both the MySeps system that you've you've rolled out to people and where it's being used. The Karandi Solutions review and upgrades and monitoring and 
The formless evaluation of separated trains has really been beneficial to most of the ones it's been applied to, and the customers have seen the benefit. The customers have seen that benefit. You've got that references. You've got that there. We're seeing it now from our deployment of our, our equipment as well, but customers are beginning to see insights they would never have seen beforehand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't like the insights they're seeing, and I suspect when you guys go and talk to them as well, they don't like the insights you tell them because it suddenly realizes that, damn, this isn't really working how it should be doing, but it's still working to a point. We're trying to make it better, and that's the difference. So everything we can do by working yeah. with them is all we're going to do is improve it. We're not going to make it worse. That's a guarantee. You know, there's nothing we can realistically do that's going to make your situation any worse than it currently is. So let's go ahead and do the other part. That sounds, that sounds great. So um, I'll thank you for the really great discussion and, and contributions here. Michael and, and, and Tom. So um, we'll go continue offline, of course, with some things. But <laughs> and we'll be back. For us, probably. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Thank Michael. You Thank you, James. Really appreciate it. It's been good fun. Thank you. Goodbye, gentlemen. Bye now.